When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I only ever remember hearing Bruce before getting really into it myself. Just literally the music coming out of my brother's bedroom. And he had told me the story recently that a friend of his introduced him to Bruce's music in 78 for, for Darkness. And he actually didn't like it at the time. And then something happened in 79 that turned the corner and he, he bought into it. Myself, being a, there's a six-year difference in age between my brother and I, I started listening just after The River came out, again, very casually. And my big fandom really started on the Born in the USA tour, even though, admittedly, Born in the USA is actually one of my least favorite Springsteen albums. But that's what really got me into it at that time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Less Than Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me this evening is a fellow Bruce fan that is, this is his second podcast. He has already spent some time with the wonderful Ted in that one lyric podcast, so I feel you're going to be let down after being on that podcast talking to me, Mark. Not at all. You are very kind. Tell us about yourself, my friend. Uh, I am living up here in Canada in the far north, about eight hours drive due north of Minneapolis, Minnesota, on the north shore of Lake Superior. And my life consists of work, family, and trying to stay warm. My pre couple of companies ago, we own, we bought a company that had a division in Winnipeg, Canada. So I went to Pan Winnipeg two or three times, and never in the deep winter, but I did go like in the spring, or and we did get while we were there a dusting of snow, and it was the first time I'd ever seen like here in Texas, snow is very wet. And uh, yeah. it was very weird to see. It almost looked like snow, like soap suds on the car. And there was no ice. Yeah. It was just these snowflakes everywhere. 
So good. I will. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's nice to hear you make the reference to Winnipeg, because whenever I'm speaking to somebody from, from the US, I always use Minneapolis as the reference point, but I'm about the same distance from Winnipeg as from Minneapolis. So, yeah. There you go. And it was interesting too, when I went to Winnipeg, I had just, the first time we went was right after the Winter Olympics were held there in Canada. And you, you see all this beauty And then Winnipeg looks like Plano, which is a suburb (laughs) of Dallas, including they had a Dairy Queen. No, it's it's just flat. It's so uh, absolutely. (laughs) It is. Yeah. So let's, I always like to start at the beginning. Where did you grow up and what kind of music was your family listening to when you were younger? So I grew up in a smallish city, Kingston, Ontario, Canada, which is about halfway between Toronto and Montreal. My family's musical tastes were all over the map. My dad strictly listened to big band and jazz. My mom listened to ABBA and the Eagles and Neil Diamond. My sister, who's the middle of us three children, she was took a lot of piano lessons. I remember her having the Billy Joel songbook and the Beatles songbook and she'd probably cringe when she hears that but she was into the Bay City Rollers and then there was my brother he's he's the oldest of the three and I would say I got my musical taste from him he was listening to The Who, Talking Heads, Tom Petty, I'm thinking Dire Straits, Elvis Costello and of course Bruce. One of the themes that I hear a lot on this podcast is siblings and that you, if you're the oldest, you tend to influence your younger siblings. And if you're the youngest, you tend to have been influenced either positively or negatively. Sometimes I get stories like, oh, my older sibling was into blank. And so therefore I went to more folk or I went to more punk or other things. It is a common theme that your siblings help influence your musical taste. And so it sounds like you definitely with your older brother. Yeah, a throw to to Mr. Dallas Fort Worth here, but he was also a diehard Cowboys fan. So I got that love from him as well. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The early 90s were okay. Yeah, that, yeah, there was. And uh, we'll see what happens. The, we just... When, looks like the draft went pretty well. So we'll see what happens. It is, my son is 34. So he barely remembers the Aikman years. To him, it's just been years of heartbreak being a Cowboy fan. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned your brother liking Bruce. So can you remember when you first heard Bruce's music? And if so, tell me that. And then also, what about his music spoke to you? Why did he become something you treasured? So I only ever remember hearing Bruce before getting really into it myself, just literally the music coming out of my brother's bedroom. And he had told me the story recently that a friend of his introduced him to Bruce's music in 78 for for Darkness, and he actually didn't like it at the time. And then something happened in 79 that turned the corner and he, he bought into it. Myself being, a, there's a six year difference in age between my brother and I, 
I started listening just after the river came out again, very casually. And my big fandom really started on the born in the USA tour, even though admittedly born in the USA is one of my least favorite Springsteen albums, but that's what really got me into it at that time. Was it just the song spoke to you? I'm, I've always been drawn to storytellers. I've got a, a pretty vast array of music that I listen to, but I've always really been drawn to sto- storytellers. I always liked that with Bruce, that you know the songs about the common man or the working class man, songs about social injustice and protest songs and things like that. They've always spoken to me, and there was just a lot of that in Bruce's music that, that I was drawn to. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So I always like to preface this, Mark, with the amount of times you've seen him perform live is not a fair barometer 
of how big of a fan you are. In fact, there is a wonderful person on Twitter that bring Bruce to Winnipeg was a campaign. She's been going forever. And I saw he is going to Winnipeg this tour. Is. Yes. Have you been able to see him live? And if so, how many times? I have. I just saw my fifth show in Minneapolis earlier on this tour. That was show number five. And I'm flying down actually to Toronto in November when he does the return leg to see him with my brother and his family. That's nice. What do you think of the show? I thought the show was absolutely incredible. As good as the first time I saw him, it's obviously a different show. There's a different energy. He's not doing these slides back and forth across the stage and jumping on the piano. But again, for a for a 73-year-old to be still rocking it for roughly three hours without a break, I can tell that of I was one of a sold-out crowd there in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I don't think anybody was sitting down. It was just, it was a party atmosphere. I don't buy into all the complaints about the static set lists I or bad seats or whatever. I'm one of those that says I was in the building. That's good enough for me. And I thought the set list and the story that he was telling was brilliant. So, yeah. So I was going to push that bruise. And so thank you for bringing it up. There is a loud, but I think small percentage of fans that are pretty vocal about that Pete, this is a a betrayal that he isn't changing the set list, that this is, we've been sold a bill of goods and I wouldn't have bought tickets to eight shows if I'd known they were all going to be the same. And I think that is absolutely with no offense meant that is a first world problem of that what's the old joke the food's so horrible here yes and they have such small portions just the it feels like a lot of people who are complaining about the high cost of seats are also going to multiple shows yeah i ended up seeing three shows i went to dallas i went to houston i went to austin I was supposed to go to Tulsa, but I ended up catching COVID either in Houston or Austin and had to miss. I just bought a ticket this week. I got permission from my lovely bride that I'm going to go to to Columbus on in September. And that's the rebook show. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm my only regret is I wish he was doing because I've only seen Mary's Place once. And I would have loved to seen it again. And so that's my only regret is that he wasn't doing Mary's place at the time, but I got, if I was the priest twice, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I go ahead. You, you, you use the word regret and it's funny that you're kind of two things for the same story recently, a couple of weeks back, the last week of April and first week of May, my wife and I went to Spain, the Barcelona area for two weeks. And I knew that that Bruce was going to be playing there on the 28th and the 30th, which was going to be smack dab in the middle of our trip. However, I also knew that the way we had our trip planned was that we were going to be in Barcelona just for a few days. And then we were renting a car and driving around the country, ending up back in Barcelona. And we're going to not be in the city when he played. I could have rearranged the trip 
but, and people said, did you regret not going? Did I regret not going to the first show when I found out that Barack and Michelle were there and Michelle <laughs> played tambourine and sang background vocals? No, I got to see the videos. I think it's fantastic that he played there. I don't live my life with regrets. I got to see him and I'm going to get to see him a second time. I just say he's following in my footsteps. I went to Barcelona. He followed me there. I, that's yeah. the way it is. Oh, no Mark, regrets. Yeah, that's a really nice thing. And I guess regrets the wrong word, right? It Because the, for example, I went, uh, we went to New Orleans last year to see James Taylor and Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown opened. I had never seen Jackson Brown before. He was amazing. And then James Taylor, which I've seen multiple times, was still just amazing. And Jackson Brown didn't do stay or the loadout because he wasn't the final act. And mm. I was a little disappointed because I would have loved to seen that. But once again, it's a it's impossible for them to play every song you want to hear. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's absolutely true. And I, the funny thing is that I find that when I'm at the show, I'm not thinking about what didn't get played. Yes. Like I'm not thinking, the exception might be, and again, we'll obviously get to this later on in the conversation, yeah. but my favorite song, Bruce song of all time is Thunder Road. And would I have been upset or disappointed if he didn't play it when I was when I was at the St. Paul show. I might have been a little bit, but I'd seen it every other time I've seen him. So if that got subbed out for something else, I, again, no regrets. I would love for him to play that every time I see him, but there's a chance that he won't. So Mark, my first eight shows, he did not play Thunder Road. There um, just my first show was in 2002 and he wasn't playing it. And then when he was doing the high hopes tour and that he would either end with thunder road or dream baby dream. And every show I went to, he did thunder road, not dream baby dream. And I would have loved to seen dream baby dream live. It's one of my favorite covers, but I'm not going to complain. I got thunder road, right? It just, it is. And I think it's all variable. I went this past weekend down to Austin to see Jason Isbell for the first time. And it, I, Linda said, how was it? And I said, it was great. I said, there was one song that he, he had done the night before that I would have loved to hear him play. I said, but that was the only song he played that I, that I, he didn't play that I wanted to hear. Yeah. So it, it just, I, I heard this a long time ago when someone was talking about going to Disney World or Disneyland and they said, focus on what you're doing, not what you're not doing. Hmm. Easy for on a vacation. And I think this is good advice, period, that you're spending time worrying about like you. Damn, I should have rearranged that. I, we could have seen Bruce yeah. in Barcelona versus focusing on no i got to see him and now i'm seeing beautiful scenery and spending time with my family and i'm not going to worry about what's not happening i'm going to focus on what i'm getting yeah so talk to me about some of the stories some of the shows you've gone to tell me stories from the 
the road and experiences you've had? The first show I saw was in Buffalo, New York in 84 on the Born in the USA tour and went with my brother and we got tickets behind the stage. Now I had absolutely zero experience with sitting behind a stage. I didn't actually know there were behind the stage seats at any concert, or maybe there just hadn't been on anything I'd seen previously. And I, I don't know if what I was really feeling at that time, but I thought, again, I'm going to be watching their backs for three hours or four hours, however long it was back in those days. And I remember coming away from that show thinking, not only was this an incredible experience, but I actually felt special because in those moments where he or one of the other members of the E Street Band would turn around and play to the people behind the stage, you felt just so much more like he was playing to you. So it was, it gave me a whole new perspective on ways to see a show. Again, I've never been to a stadium tour. Every time I've seen him has always been in an arena. And I, I see videos of people that are sitting at the absolute far end of the stadium. They're essentially watching a concert on a screen because you can't possibly see what's happening on the stage. And I think being that up close and personal behind the stage was way better in my experience. In addition, that show was in September. And again, I didn't understand the rarity of this at the time, but he played Santa Claus is Coming to Town as the last song of a show in September. But he was in Buffalo, so it was probably snowing, if I remember correctly, anyways. Yes, by the way, my ticket in Austin was behind the stage. And I was closer than I was either the other two nights. And... And I was explaining to someone says, someone had reached out to me and said, my friends ended up kicking tickets behind the stage. I can't believe that they're so upset. And I go, no, trust me, there, there are plenty of screens. So you're going to see what's happening. And then also the band routinely goes and plays to the backside. I yeah. said, and there is something beautiful about seeing the arena the way that Bruce and the band are seeing it so yeah I agree there is that's that is at times a really cool seat and when I bought the one in Columbus I've gotten a stage I got a ticket behind the stage it was one of the most economical tickets and I'm like oh mm -hmm. yeah okay let me do this I've done this before this is great yeah, I feel the reason I've only seen Bruce five times is my limitations have been geography. I, I moved to where I live now back in 1990. And as I said, it's an eight-hour drive from Minneapolis. And at the time, until this year, wasn't playing Winnipeg, that it's a long haul to go anywhere. Let's talk about music. What did you think of the covers album? I actually really enjoyed it, and I would say enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I certainly didn't go into it with negative thoughts. But with the songs that were released prior to the album, I liked all of them. And oddly enough, of the what is it, three singles that were released ahead of time, probably my least favorite of the studio ones was Night Shift, which is the one that is stuck on the tour. But no, I, I was a big fan. I'm, I don't have a problem with with cover albums. I love the Seeger Sessions. I, I know your story about Froggy Goes Important. Uh, Thank you for knowing that. I yeah, appreciate it. But I, I enjoy, not just Bruce, I enjoy any artist who takes something like that and puts their own spin on it. I would have no problem 
barring a few genres of music, I would have no problem if he continued that theme and every every year to put out a, an album of covers. I love hearing the man sing. I think he sounded absolutely amazing on it. I think it translated really well live as well. And I think he could have maybe even done a little bit more with it live, but I don't blame him for not doing it. But yeah. I agree. I had thought, and you probably have heard me talk about this. I had, my guess was going to be, that would have been the encore song. Like instead of jump, they were going to go through three or four of those and rotate them. Yeah. And that is not what he chose to do. And I do think that it is hard to complain about that encore. It's just one bang, bang. So it is really well done. Um, Yeah. I, my hope is he does a an album of country music classics. I would love to hear him a take on a Merle Haggard or a Hank Williams, something like that. So yeah, I'm right there with you. So let's talk favorite albums. Mark, is there, obviously, we all love them in different ways, but is there a couple of albums or songs that specifically speak to you and you've gone back to during this 40-year journey of fandom? I am a massive fan of album number one. Greetings has always been one of my favorites. I can listen to it beginning to end over and over again. His big ones, the Born to Runs, are obviously up there, but Greetings has always had a spot in my heart. I think the Rising album, again, beginning to end, was absolutely brilliant, and I really loved Letter to You. Yeah, I, I, we'll get to Letter to You in a minute, but what do you think is about Greetings that speaks to you so much? I like the more stripped down versions of a lot of stuff. I'm a big fan of Nebraska and Tom Joad, uh, even Devils and Dust to some extent. I like a little bit more of the stripped down stuff, and I just... Saint in the City and Growing Up and For You and Lost in the Flow. There's just, there's so much on, on that record. It just, it is always, and I don't know if I can't put my finger on exactly why, because even if you listen to his stories that a lot of times blinded by the light, he just had a rhyming dictionary out that a yeah. lot of the lyrics are nonsensical, but just some of the imagery in those songs is just, it was a different, obviously a very different stage of his career. He's hit his first record as a solo artist, essentially. When Letter to You came out, I was so ready for that. And then when it's that good, that, to use the baseball analogy, an aging pitcher still having a fastball, give me some thoughts about Letter to You. Again, I just think that everything about it it was just, it was a great rock record. You've got the E Street Band there, the stories behind the way it was recorded, the fact that he took a couple of songs that were 50 years old and brought them into, into 2023 or 2022. The stories, again, like I still remember the first time I watched the lyric video for Ghosts and the hair on my arm stood up. The Last Man Standing, seeing it in, in concert. It's just, I found it very powerful the again the stories that go along with it because i do love that that storytelling song and even in the title track with with letter to you that he really was sending a letter to me or to you jesse or to to anyone else that was listening yeah i really do think he is and and it's such a joy and i'm glad that we are getting multiple songs from that 
album on this tour. I'm greedy. I'd love to power prayer is one of my favorites. So mm. I, I'd love to hear it. I wish more people would get to hear if I was the priest, the, but it is, I know I'm being greedy like that. And it is yeah. that what I find amusing Mark is you and I and 50 other fans would all have 50 different lists of what mm-hmm. we wanted to take out and add to that. And so luckily Bruce is ignoring us and doing what he thinks mm-hmm. is best because that's what he does. And not uh, again, just on, on the letter to you thing. And you actually prepared me for something. And I may have shared this story with you in a, in an email. I'm not sure that uh, when he does, I'll see you in my dreams. And as I had already shared with you that my, my mom passed away in January and yeah. you had shared the story about for death is not the end. And I'll see you in my dreams and the emotional state that put you in. And I knew suit. I just knew like before I walked in the door to the show, I knew that when this show ends, I'm going to have a little bit of an emotional moment. I was with my wife. I was with very good friends of ours that went to the show and I just, nobody else even bothered talking to me. I just stood there and wept. It was joyful. It sat, but again, death is not the end. And I'll see you in my dreams. It's just a great line and a great line to end that show. And it just meant so much more. And again, I I felt, (laughs) I don't know you. I felt that I shared that moment after the story you had told. Thank you, Mark. And I appreciate that a lot. It was, for those of you who made this as your first episode, I had shared that I had found out on Thursday before I was going to see Bruce in Dallas on Friday that my my younger brother was going in was was in hospice and they said it's not going to be long. And then he died Monday and then I saw Bruce in Houston in that Tuesday and through different circumstances I I ended up going to both shows. Um, one, because that's what my brother would have wanted. And two, for COVID reasons, there wasn't much else we could do. And yes, I was, there was a lot of tears going down my heart in my cheeks hearing that song. And I will tell you for, it randomly comes to me now, Mark, when I'll think about my brother and, and that song will start playing in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Do we've both been been very honest about you're kind of happy with what you get, but are there songs that if you were going to be selfish, like you've got a bingo card, are there songs you're still chasing? You'd love to hear live? A a two-part answer. Yes. I would love to see just, I told you about my feelings towards greetings. I would have loved that this is the 50th anniversary that he would have done a show where he played the entire album beginning to end. Don't think I'm going to get that. I would love to see the version of Lost in the Flood that he did in, on the live from New York City on the reunion tour. I just, that, I don't know what it is. That song hits me, ev- that specific version, I find so powerful. I've never seen Lost in the Flood in concert. I would love to see it, and I would love to see that version of it or something close to it. The other one would be, I'm a big fan of the electric version that Tom Joad with with Morello playing. I'd love to see that live. Oh, yeah, that's those are all great choices. 
Those are really great choices. Remind me, what's your next show? So my next show is Toronto in November. And that, and you're meeting your brother there. And so... I am meeting my brother, my brother, his wife, and who have seen before, and his daughter, who has, who will be twenty by then, and has never seen Bruce in concert. I believe she was maybe just born or was about to be born the last time my brother saw Bruce in concert. It's nice to come full circle and have her to actually be at the show. That is awesome. That is very awesome. One of the things you talked about when we exchanged emails is you wanted to talk a little bit about how he's been part of your life for 40 plus years. Tell me a little bit what you meant by that. And again, I, as we alluded to the fact that I've been on, on Ted's podcast and spoke specifically about the song growing up is that I, uh, I had a very, I, I had a great upbringing, upper middle class family, didn't really want for anything, but that doesn't always mean that you're going to be a happy kid. And I rebelled against everything. I had issues with authority. My brother, again, six years older, same thing. And the bonds that, that I had with specifically with my brother, I heard a lot of that in Bruce's music. The song Highway Patrolman always comes back to me whenever I think about that is, or nothing's thicker than blood on blood and that kind of stuff that his the relationships, the family, more after, obviously, the revelations with Bruce about his dad, Broadway and whatnot, that it just, it was my way of both escaping, but also feeling that really tight bond with the people that I love. It, and it's always been there for me, always. Yeah, I, one of the reasons why, and I was just recently on a podcast I had a guest who does a lot of business consultant and consulting. And he talked about that his goal is for a company to figure out their why, why are you doing this? And just make money will not help you be successful. You have to have a reason why. And we went through that with me because I said, I feel like every Bruce fan has a story and it's my job to capture them. And he said, why? And we went through that there and it goes back to his music is a companion to us fans, both in good times and bad times. And it is where we celebrate and mourn. And I think that's well said, sir. So what have I not asked you that I should, Mark, before I get to the Mary question? What have you not asked me that you should? You didn't ask me if I quoted Springsteen lyrics during my wedding vows, which I did. Okay, you uh, got to tell that story. Oh, I, my wife and I tied the knot on a cruise ship back in 2018. Okay. And... I chose a lyric from, or, or a line from, if I should fall behind, as part of as part of my vows. I have the entire song lyrics printed out, as I'm sure a lot of people do, in the shape of a heart with the wedding date on our bedroom wall. I, my my wife didn't really know Springsteen all that much when we got together. I think she knew maybe a couple of songs off a tunnel of love, if I remember correctly, and. I took her to her first show in 2016 on the River Anniversary Tour, and 
again, I always refer to Bruce as a, it's a religious experience when you go see it live. And Amen. She, you know, she walked out and said, I would go and see him again in a heartbeat. Like, absolutely. The next time he's playing and who knew that from 2016, it would be seven years later uh, that we went back, that <laughs> yes. we went back and saw him again. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the fact that she tolerates my fandom. <laughs> I should have put, I should have put that in the vows that, you know, to, to love, honor and tolerate that. Yeah. She, she gets it. She'll say, Oh, you're listening to Bruce again. How many times can you listen to the same record? But I know that deep down she gets it and she supports it. And when I say, again, we talked about ticket price earlier. When I say, Hey, I'm buying tickets to the show. And honestly, I'm not buying the four digit or higher pit tickets, but sure. they're not going to be cheap and supported me a hundred percent. I love her for a million reasons. That's one of them. I know I've told this story before and you've probably <clears throat> heard it, Mark, because you've already mentioned a couple of times things in the thing. But I love the idea that when we were going to go see Pink and she's coming this fall to here in Dallas. And I said, OK, what do you want to spend on tickets? And she goes, what did we spend on Bruce tickets? Well done. <laughs> well done. Okay. Played. <laughs> yes, indeed. Played. I will do that. So that is awesome. That is, I just, I can just imagine the celebration. You've got the next generation seeing their first show, your brother that helped you find Bruce. That will just be a joyous show. I'm, I want you to come back on afterwards and just tell me the story of it. I, I think that'll be a time. great story. Good. Sure. All right. For those of you who are found Mark because of his great job on Ted's podcast, I end every podcast with the Mary question. And what that is, Jay Armstrong, who is a retired English teacher in the Philadelphia area, when he was teaching, he would ask, he would give his class the lyrics to Thunder Road and they would break it down as if it was a poem. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask the class, does Mary get in the car? So Mark, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car? So before I give you my answer, I have to say that shortly before we started this, I was scrolling through Twitter and saw you had actually commented on it, that somebody had posed the Mary question to an AI chatbot. I, and Mark, I thought it was brilliant. I thought I, it was absolutely brilliant. I was sitting here thinking, should I bring that up? And oh, so I'm was so, so glad you did. It was hilarious. I It was so good. Yeah. Chris Bloom from South Africa is the one who did it. And he tweeted it. I, yes, I hope everyone goes because <laughs> it's so well done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But to my answer, I'd actually, because I am a, a very avid listener of, of the podcast, Jesse, I have placed a lot of thought into this long before I even knew that I was going to be recording an episode with you. And I'd like to say I'm not this person, but I never thought of it as a choice. I assumed that he told her to get in the car and she did. Like, it, it almost like... it. To me, it wasn't really posed as a question. It was climb in <laughs> and she just did what she was told. Again, that's not who I am. I'm not in the habit of telling people what to do and thinking that they're just going to do it. But that's the way I read it was that it wasn't a question. It was more get in the car. She did. They hit the road together and found the promised land or wherever. No, I think you. if you take the lyric, Mary, climb in, can be you know it 
Mary climb in, Mary climb in, yeah. depending on the excellent during the punctuation. I we love can't that. trust the liner. We can't trust the liner notes on Thunder Road. We know this already. Yes, exactly. So I we don't know. That. Was there a question mark? Wasn't there a question mark? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I love that answer. That's one of the, I've not had this answer yet. So well done, sir. Thank you. All right. If someone wants to reach you, how can they? I am, I'm not much of a social media guy. I am at Lord Cadogan on Twitter. Other than that, I don't have anything that I'm trying to promote my, I'm a sales guy. I'm not trying to promote local business up here in, in Thunder Bay, Ontario. No, it's just celebrate Bruce and whatever else that brings passion in your life. And that's it for me. That sounds great. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Only to please ask you to continue doing what you're doing. I absolutely love it every time a pod drops. And I'm a, I've been a casual Doctor Who fan over the years, although I've never listened to that that side of you. So maybe I'll maybe that'll be my next project. Oh, thank you. That's nice Th of you to thank say. Thank you for everything you do. That's very kind of you, Mark. Thank you for joining me. I hope you had a good time. Absolutely did. Good. All right, listeners, thank you for being here. Remember to be safe, be kind. And if we open up our hearts, love won't forsake us. Just let the music take us and carry us home. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.